Hello and welcome in to Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue of Big Ten Network. This week's guests are Charlotte Wilder of Fox Sports and Harold Shelton of Big Ten Network. Let's get into it. Take a look, listen, and enjoy. Look at here, look at here. With the catch, the finish! All right, first up, like I said off the top, it's Charlotte Wilder of Fox Sports, formerly of Sports Illustrated, really talented writer, um, content creator, listed as multimedia talent in the Fox Sports lineup. And we get into more about what that means, what she does for the larger Fox family, which Big Ten Network is a part of. And we also, as uh, she is an East Coaster, a, a Boston sports fan, and somebody who did not go to a Power 5 school, we kind of did a welcome to the Big Ten and intro to Big Ten traditions and uh, fun things like mascots along those lines um, with our discussion with Charlotte. So good stuff coming up. I will stop talking and we'll get right into it. It is Take 10 Podcast discussion with Charlotte Wilder. I'm very pleased to be joined by Charlotte Wilder, formerly of Sports Illustrated, among other stops, currently a uh, superstar multimedia talent slash content creator for Fox Sports. You can follow her on Twitter at The Wilder Things. Charlotte, how are you? Great. Well, that is a very kind intro, Alex. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled to be chatting with you. Listen, we got we to gotta lift up our Fox fam, you know, um, keep it in the family. So, uh, you know, just off the top, I have to ask, what's it like being pretty much the only person I can think of in sports media who is a Boston sports fan? Yeah, well, you know, I thank you for bringing that up. I've said this before. I think it's a travesty that we are so underrepresented uh, in this business. Um, no, I mean, it's funny because I, when I started doing sports and, you know, it's a, another Boston sports fan in this space, um, it's wild how it's still, you can still get a lot of mileage out of it. I mean, you know, there's either people are mad that you're winning or thrilled that you're miserable. So I think it's a very, the, the well of content is uh, unlimited. It's interesting just because, you know, as a Midwesterner, for some reason, I've always liked the Red Sox. I think it's because of the Cubs connection. Mm -hmm. I've always been indifferent about the Celtics. Like they're fine. And then of course I've hated the Patriots. So I have this weird kind of internal relationship with them. It's a love-hate thing. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like a lot of people, I don't think many people like to admit this, but I think a lot of people outside of Boston actually have slightly more complicated relationship with this, with the, with the region sports wise than just straight up hating the teams. Um, but maybe that's just what I tell myself to sleep at night. Uh, I know a bunch of people who randomly, you know, like in Pittsburgh who are like, yeah, I love the Red Sox, but like the Patriots are my mortal enemy. And it's like, cool. You know, you got to do what you got to do. Right. And of course, you know, the Blackhawks beat the Burns in the Stanley Cup, but we won't right. get into that. No, that's uh, that's a true fact, Alex. It's OK. We can move on. Um, <laughs> I do want to get into, you know, I kind of like to do this with sports media types, personalities that come on. Uh, just the background of how you got to where you are. Um, obviously, you're at Fox now. You started in the middle of the global pandemic or actually the beginning. It was, uh, I think, in April. Mm -hmm. And you, uh, you know, we're at SI. You're an East Coaster, New Englander. 
So just take me through kind of those steps to your current position and, and how, you know, you kind of got your name out there and your work out there. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing this in some form or another for like close to 10 years now. Um, you know, I started in uh, the food, food magazine world, which is kind of funny um, for a few years. And then I went to general assignment reporting at boston.com, which is a part of the Boston Globe. Um, and just sort of found my way into sports. It was, you know, I loved sports growing up, but it wasn't um, in high school or college, like the direction I saw myself going. And then, um, and even after college, and then a few years into writing about stuff, I was like, you know, I think the sports people are having all the fun here. And uh, you can you can be as serious or as silly as you want to be with the, with the subject. And um, I just found that I think my voice was a good fit for, for what sports fans wanted. I think you want to have fun. You want to feel understood. You want um, sort of the emotional highs and lows of, of your team winning and losing to be accurately represented. And so um, I, I went to USA Today Sports and then I was at SB Nation and then I was at um, Sports Illustrated for a little while. And um, I think that I've just worked, <laughs> I've worked really, really hard. Um, you know, it's, I moved a lot. I, I've jumped around a lot. I've worked a lot of years with strange schedules. Um, and I think that for whatever reason, I'm very humbled that people sort of, you know, in any way connected to my voice um, and just allowed me that audience that I was building sort of allowed me to keep doing what I'm doing. And, and I'm thrilled that Fox Sports saw me as a non-traditional voice. You know, I'm not a broadcaster. I'm not just a writer. I'm not like, it's, it's, I sort of don't know how to, people, people will ask me what I do if I meet someone new or, or a friend to a friend and I'll like, look at the person I'm with to be like, what do, like, what do I do? Like, I don't, so um, I'm, I'm thrilled that they sort of saw what I do as something that we could use on the digital side. And it's just been, it's been a blast. It's been so strange starting in a global pandemic when there are no sports uh, or there were no sports for the first few months. But um, I think it's a testament to this team and to management of, of digital to figure out, help me figure out what to do with myself and, and how to still make stuff for sports fans. And um, I think even though we've, we've done it through computer screens, there's, there's a lot of stuff I'm really proud of and that I think people have, have hopefully enjoyed. Yeah, it's been fun, you know, seeing you start off and, and create some cool stuff. Just out of curiosity, when would you say, um, you know, throughout your 10 plus year career in, in the industry, when would you say your profile, your public profile um, kind of took off if it did at all? Or was it kind of a gradual build? Because um, I know, you know, I've, you've popped up in my sports consumption, you know, over the years. And, and I'm just curious if it was at SB Nation, SI, or just kind of a gradual thing. That's an interesting question, Alex. You know, it's funny because I, I don't know, you know, like I feel like what I do online now is what I was doing when I had 200 followers, you know, like I, I forget sometimes that people can see my tweets, um, which is a problem. Uh, no, I'm kidding. It, it is, it is bizarre though, um, to have my name known at all or to have my work known. Um, I feel like it's been kind of a gradual build. Um, I don't, you know, there've been a few sort of viral moments or a few big stories or a few things that have propelled my career or made more people aware of me. But I think it's been kind of a slow 
a slow build in a way that I've been grateful for because it means people are more likely to stick around. You know, if it was just one big flash in the pan, then people sort of tend to drop off. But I think with everything I've done, maybe a few more people have come on board or been interested in what I'm up to. Um, and I don't take that for granted for a second. I'm so, so grateful that anyone cares what I have to say or, or thinks anything I do is funny um, or insightful in, in, in any way. But um, I, I think, I've often said like, I'm, I'm glad no one really knew who I was before I was like 28 or 29 um, because I think it allowed me to make mistakes and, and write things that yes, people saw, but it wasn't like I was, um, you know, one of someone at the top of my field, like really young trying to figure out how to do this. And I have so much respect for people who have managed to, to do that. I think, I think the little bit of time um, to sort of build up to something and, and hopefully build from here. I don't feel like I'm anywhere near um, that known, but it's, uh, it's nice to know that there's some, there's been room to, for some trial and error. <laughs> yeah, clearly, you know how to resonate, you know, with, with a, a pretty big segment of the, of the sports audience and population. Um, I, I remember one story that sticks out is when you did the Jeff Fisher one, um, <laughs> a few years back, that was great. And that was sports writing. It was SI, but you've done other things, obviously with your, your on-camera stuff, uh, podcasting. And one interesting element that you've kind of brought back to Fox sports is the is sports writing. So like going back to the, the great Jeff Fisher piece and all the stuff you did for SI. And it was a big deal when sports writing went away from, from Fox. They kind of scrapped the website and it was a big uh, big story in the sports media game. Um, so I guess how big of, how big was the creative freedom that you were afforded part of, uh, how big would it factor into your decision to come back to Fox Sports? Um, and what about all the other factors that when you were making your decision and talking to the execs, uh, what all went into it? I just loved the vision they were laying out for the site. I mean, Mike Bucklin and David Katz really knew what they wanted to do with it. Um, the fact that they were talking to me at all, the fact that they were interested in hiring me, to me kind of said it all because I'm a very specific thing. Like, I don't think you'd hire me um, if you didn't know that I like using humor or um, that it can be a little off the wall sometimes. And so the fact that they were interested, I was like, oh, okay, I'm, you know, I've done enough now that anyone talking to me about coming to work for them knows what they'd be getting. And that in and of itself is sort of the biggest vote of confidence. Um, I think the, what's been amazing to me about the position is the creative freedom um, and the willingness from, you know, the production team, from, um, from management, from editors to, to hear me out on my ideas and to say, you know, like, let's try it. And if it doesn't work, will scrap it. I think that that kind of nimbleness and creativity and just immediate desire to, to try things and find what works is, has been truly remarkable in this industry. And, and I'm, I'm just so grateful for that. So what are some of the favorite projects or stories you've done um, in your career in sports media to date? Just to give like the audience an idea in case they're not familiar, just some of the recent stuff you've, you've put out. Um, on Twitter, you, you had the NFC East is like the office scene, right? Where they're all in the standoff with the finger guns uh, with Michael and Andy. And then uh, just noticed recently, you did a World Series watch party with guys like Rick Ankiel, Nick Swisher, Ben Verlander. That's just like in the last couple of weeks. So what are some of the things that stick out when you look back and you accomplish them and you're like, hey, that was pretty cool? 
Yeah, I mean, we've been we've been busy, Alex. Um, I the NFC East thing that was really funny. That was my my great producer, Catherine Donnelly. She was like, you know, I think this is the office meme, and I was like, I think you're right. And uh, so, I mean, doing those recaps every week has been super fun. Um, it's basically coming up with new ways to talk about what everybody's talking about, um, and that I think right now in a time where you know my whole my whole career has really been built on going places and taking fans with me to places they might not be able to go. And now in the pandemic, we can't do that. You know, no one's going anywhere. The, the access that even you do have as a sports writer or as a, a sports media person is severely limited. So we've had to figure out, okay, how can we bring fans something they might not know they need um, in a way that's inventive and fun. I, I love doing those. Um, the people sports podcast with Mark Titus, um, has been super fun and just something that I think for both of us is a real bright light. Um, you know, both of us have other platforms where we're, we're doing work where, you know, acknowledging the current, the current landscape of, of the world of the country. Um, I was really thrilled to get to do, the interview with Zach Banner this summer where he had been really outspoken about um, the Black Lives Matter movement and the importance of standing up against anti-Semitism. And, you know, I'm Jewish. That was something that I care very much about being able to talk to him about both of those um, causes and movements and how to support athletes who are being vocal was just a huge privilege to me, really. Um, and so for, you know, for Mark and I to have a, Mark and me to have a place where we can be silly and try to bring a little bit of lightness um, to sports in a time when it doesn't feel like there's a ton of lightness has been like a real privilege. It's, it's been super fun. Um, also the, the interview we did with, um, with Laura Oakman, the uh, Fox sports legendary reporter um, and a coach of the Browns and the Washington football team, um, who are both the first two women to um, Kelly Brownson and Jennifer King to be on the sidelines at the same time where there's also a female referee on the field, Sarah Thomas. Um, it's things like that where you feel like, okay, these are, these are such cool moments um, that I, I'm very grateful that I have a team who's like, okay, we'll hop on it. We'll figure out a way to tell this story. Um, and before that, you know, I mean, the, the Jeff Fisher one, that was a that was a total riot to get to do uh, for Sports Illustrated and, and for Fox Sports, something sort of similar in that vein was um, I finally got uh, Tom Brady's social media people to talk to me about his um, bizarre fake newspaper that he'd created. So it kind of all runs the gamut, but that's what I love about this, you know, finding, finding the funny, finding the serious, finding ways that um, people are going to either learn something or, or be like, wow, she really went deep down the rabbit hole there. Yeah, wide variety for sure. So if you're not following Charlotte, you're, you're missing out, get on it. Um, okay, so I want to take it to the Big Ten portion of the show. Um, clearly, you know, you're, you're one of those coastal elites. You're out there on the East Coast. Um, <laughs> My lattes. Yeah, exactly. And your avocado toast. We're in the flyover mm. states with the grit. Um, so I need, I need to, you know, get you acclimated a little bit to the Big Ten audience and, uh, and vice versa. So... Let, let's start out just by gauging kind of your familiarity. Like, have you been to any Big Ten campuses, to sporting events? Like, what do you kind of know from an outsider's perspective, um, just so I can know where to start? 
Totally. Um, I have. I last year I did a big story on college football that was so much fun. I went to a bunch of different games. I went to an uh, Ohio State Penn State game um, and it was wild. I'd never been to the shoe before. Um, I loved it. I, you know, coming from the East Coast, college football uh, really was not, you know, it's, it's NFL, it's baseball, it's NBA college football wasn't something I was even really aware of before I started doing sports. And so it's been this unbelievably fascinating, almost like anthropological experience for me to dive into and to understand how much schools mean to people, how much these teams mean to people, how it's different from other, um, from other leagues, because I mean, to me, college sports, what's so cool about it is that this it's about home, right? It's about either the place that you went to school or your family went to school or is near a place that you care about very deeply. So it's a personal, it's a personal connection, you know, like you're on that campus and you're like, this is where I belong. Um, and I'm kind of jealous of that, honestly, like I, I would love to feel that way about a school or a team. Um, you know, I went to a small D3 college, no offense to Colby. I loved the, love the guys on the football team, but like, it's not the same thing. Um, so I was just, I, I feel like, I've done my best to understand it, but I don't know that I'll ever truly get it the way that you guys do. It's a great way to put it. Um, I can re relate a little bit. I went to Illinois, so a Big Ten school, but when I was there, the football team was awful. So, you know, I felt like I was missing out on mm. what my peers were experiencing at Wisconsin, at Ohio State, Iowa. We would go to visit our our friends or whatever at these campuses and enjoy the college experience. And it just was something that totally didn't exist. Um, right. So, you know, I know plenty of Illinois students, you know, past and hopefully future have and will experience that, but you know, that just wasn't, it didn't feel like as, as a uh, big time as a, as a big 10 college football school. So can definitely relate there. Um, moving on to, to some of the more specialized categories of this acclimation session here. Yes. Um, I need you to rank your top three Big Ten mascots because one thing I think Big Ten does really well is their mascots. We don't have the live ones, which is a little disappointing, like the SEC has and, and Evo at Texas and, and these like actual animals that run out in the field. But I think we have some recognizable big mascot heads, funny mm -hmm. personalities, and really relatable, even if you're not a Big Ten fan. So, uh, Charlotte, I need you to give me the who and the why is an outsider um, coming into Big Ten country. Okay, so do you want me to go number three to number one? Let's or... do that, yeah. All right, I think coming in at number three for me, you know, it's funny, Alex, I'm just looking at my little list I made here and I'm like, are we sure? Because this is this feels like a big, uh, big declaration here. Um, I think number three for me is Purdue Pete because I think he is deeply funny I think anytime you have a mascot that's just a person that's just like a guy in a hard hat but he's made of felt like there's something really really hilarious about that so um I'm putting I'm putting Purdue Pete at at number three uh which maybe he's tied with Sparty uh also Herbie Husker like there are a bunch of just like random dudes for Big Ten mascots um I think in second we've got Bucky the Badger uh, I love that he is an animal wearing a sweater. I think that is, um, you know, anytime there's a cartoon, 
like Donald Duck where he only wears a shirt and he doesn't have any pants on. I'm like, that's just high comedy. You know, we gotta, we gotta appreciate that. I also think he's kind of cute. Um, number one is the Buckeye. And yes, I'm probably biased because Bucky, sorry. Um, because I did go to a big, uh, um, Ohio state game and loved it. But I also like, he's a candy, like a Buckeye. That's like a, a food, right? He's, it's one of those chocolate peanut butter things. And it's, it's, uh, it's a bold choice for a school to be like our mascots, basically just a Reese's peanut butter cup. But I think it's, um, it's innovative and it clearly serves them well because they're good at football. So I think that's my official ranking. I hope I didn't offend anyone too much. Lots unpacked there. Okay. Let me, let me break <laughs> it down. So, so Bucky the Badger, not only is it a sweater, it's a, it's a turtleneck. So like, he's not yes. Squidward. He's not Squidward with a t-shirt. It's a turtleneck. And no, it's like Squidward bad. fancy pants. He's like fancy Squidward. Yes. Yes. William, right? Yes. So, so that's, uh, you know, that's stylish. That's in season. Don't confuse this. I always do this. Don't confuse Brutus the Buckeye with Bucky Badger because Bucky. Oh, did I say Bucky the, the Buckeye? I knew what you meant. I do it all the time, but Sorry. I just wanted to clear that up. That's and deeply embarrassing. No, it's okay. You're right. You're right about the candy part. And funny story, like this content hasn't even come out yet, but it will in a couple of days. We made our Nebraska digital guy correspondent, Kenny Bell, played in Nebraska, uh, our other digital guys from Ohio State. So we had like a week one bet right off the bat. Mm-hmm. For every touchdown that uh, Nebraska scored, our Ohio State guy, Joshua, had to eat a baby corn. So he only had to eat two. Okay. For, for every touchdown that uh, Ohio State scored, our Nebraska guy, Kenny, had to eat one Buckeye. He was having trouble putting down seven <laughs> Buckeyes. Like, he was feeling sick toward the end. Um, so, you know, it, it can be too much of a good thing, as we, we discovered on our Zoom call yesterday. But I love that you pointed that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, I respect that. Also, that's a hilarious bet. Because even, like, even like three or four Buckeyes is too many Buckeyes. Um, and it doesn't seem like it because it's the candies. So you're like, I can handle this. But then seven, that is a commitment. Exactly. And, and I was ordering on Prime to ship it to their houses. And I was like, I don't think a six pack is going to be enough. I, need to, I better go with the 30 pack just in case Ohio State pops off in this game. So, uh, <laughs> and the last thing, you, you mentioned Purdue Pete. I have a funny, quick Purdue Pete story. So mm. we were in New York for the Big Ten tournament a couple of years ago. And the mascots were all out there as well. So pretty cool trip for the mascots to go on. We brought them all out to this uh, court that BTN had built for charity um, under the Queensboro Bridge and, or Triborough Bridge. And um, basically there were two Purdue Pete's because the, the original one was injured or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, he couldn't do the mascot duties because he had like a bum ankle or something like that, but he still got to go on the trip. Really nice guy. And it was my, it wasn't my job, but I was heading back to Madison Square Garden on the subway mm-hmm. and Purdue Pete had to get back there, the injured one, just to go to the game. So me and Purdue, me and uh, injured reserve Purdue Pete rode the subway from uh, Queens to in his costume? MSG. He was not in his costume, unfortunately. <laughs> it was just a guy, but like I knew it was Purdue Pete and no one else did. So I Well, felt I mean, like... Purdue Pete is just a guy too. So. And that's what I, I like how you pointed it out because it's so funny how it's, it's like they just did the top of the mascot and they're just like whatever have them wear shorts and regular legs you know right they're like weird pants are fine like do whatever you want (laughs) i love it um okay last mascot question yeah because i don't know if you knew this but this is like a thing apparently in in big 10 country um a lot of these mascots have side hustles and i don't know like who gets paid but for this if it's the school or the mascot themselves but they get invites to big 10 alumni weddings 
So, you know, you'll see a Bucky Badger, a, uh, a Purdue Pete, a Herky mm-hmm. Hawkeye at these weddings with the lampshade on the head, all the fun stuff, you know, it is wild out here in the Midwest. So if you had to pick one Big Ten mascot, it could be from your top three. It could be a wild card. Mm-hmm. Let me know who's going to be at your wedding, you know, just as a, as a random one-off. So I think um, if I had to have a Big Ten mascot at my wedding, you know, it's funny, you sent me these questions beforehand and I've had time to think about it, but I've really, I've gone back and forth. This feels like a huge deal, right? Cause you have to be like, okay, who's gonna be fun? Who's gonna get the people going? Who knows how to party? And I think that I'm gonna go with um, Herbie Husker from University of Nebraska. He is, he's wearing a cowboy hat first of all and any guy in a cowboy hat I'm like I think he knows how to party you want someone fun I feel like he could really tear it up on the dance floor like maybe lead some line dances um I think he could even I mean because he is technically a man like you could be like you got to wear a tux and Herbie would have to figure it out so I think there's a lot of different ways you can go with this I love it a couple things about Herbie which I don't know if this counts but I'm gonna I'm going to include it in like the uh, Husker package here. They have these side mascots that are the inflatables. There's a little red and a big yes. red and they like bob out there. So I think that counts. Like you can bring little and big red with the right. Husker to the, and it's like the inflatable wacky uh, car salesman people. I love it. I love that. That's a great point. I didn't even think of that. And as far as knowing how to party, uh, last time I was in Lincoln, Nebraska, it was a summer, so it wasn't the same, but um, we're walking down the street and there's like, their little bar district had a advertisement for I think one dollar tall boy beers so that's just oh boy you know out in New York you're paying 12 bucks for that, so. <laughs> right I yeah maybe we can just have Herbie pick up like a six pack of of tall boys and I'll Venmo him six bucks I'll be like thanks for coming <laughs> I love it okay Charlotte before I let you go uh last big 10 kind of gimmick here Hit me. Um, I need to introduce you to some of the traditions on Big Ten campuses. And these aren't like the ones that you see on TV. These are a little more hidden. Okay. These are the ones that you have to ask the locals about. Love that. And just because you're going in a little more blind than the average Big Ten fan, I'm going to have mm-hmm. you try and guess which schools these are either uh, an attraction at or a tradition or whatever it might be. So I will start at the top with something called the Breakfast Club. Uh, one of my coworkers and friends who went to this school informed me about the Breakfast Club. And he described it as essentially Halloween mm-hmm. at 6 a.m., starting at 6 a.m., every football Saturday. And essentially everyone dresses up, lines up, and gets to a certain bar at 6 a.m. on football Saturday. And uh, with Halloween coming, I thought it was a good, uh, good topic to bring up. Okay, so first of all, I feel like that's, couldn't that be every school? It could. I just, I just think that, like, there's nothing unique that would make you think this is the school. I'm just having you guess blind, but you'll, uh, you'll learn. I feel like when I was at Ohio State, they were doing that. Is that Ohio State? It is Purdue. Purdue. You wouldn't think Purdue is a, you know, not necessarily the biggest football school, but I found that at a lot of these, um, you know, schools where the football program isn't as consistent. Mm Mm-hmm that is a bar owner's dream. And so at a place like Illinois, where I went, the bars were always packed, the tailgate lots and the stadium, 
was not when I went there. It's gotten a little better. The team's mm-hmm. gotten a little better, but uh, I think it's the same at Purdue. That's why they just dress up and get wacky every uh, every football Saturday. And now you know they, they can do it with their improved football program. They got a squad now. So. <laughs> All right, next one. And I'll give you a little hint for this one. Okay. Because um, I know these are vague and, and tricky. This one is called The Rock. And it, it's been there for a long time. You know, rocks are old, but <laughs> it gets painted over all the time with new messages, new slogans, like it, uh, colors. I, I don't even know what they put on there. I know like during the Vietnam War, I think it was a big deal. People would paint over it. And uh-huh. it is by a large body of water. It's by a lakefront. And students Madison, at school- Wisconsin. Close. Mm, I'm like, what other school is that? Is it Northwestern? It is Northwestern. Wow. The Rock is at Northwestern, right at, right on Lake Michigan. And you know, uh, I heard clue. Lake, and I was like, uh, I know a lake. <laughs> and and you know, with the whatever messages or whatever they're putting on there, Northwestern students are pretty smart, so I'm sure it was some sort of yes, you know, it was like ultra the, intelligent, like physics mm-hmm. equations and stuff. Just physics all over that rock. Yeah, love theory it. of relativity. Yeah. Okay. Um, two more. Okay. This one is pretty famous, so I would not be surprised if you've heard of it. If not, oh, now you're going to embarrass me because I won't have heard of it. Hey, I just this will be a good test because I don't know if this is like a uh, Midwest thing. Like, okay, I knew about it and I didn't go to the school. Okay. Um, so that eliminates one for you right there. But it is called Little Five Hundred, or Little Five for short. It is a bike race that is uh, a scholarship fund race. So it's like kind of for charity, I guess. Raises a ton of money. But it also is a huge party every weekend or every year uh, during a weekend in April. It's like people from all the regional schools come flock to this campus. And it's it's a pretty well-known college town campus. Is it Michigan? It is not, but it is a similar town. Um, I'll even give you a hint. It's not in the same state as Michigan, but it's a well-known college town that likes to have a good time. Um... Oh man, that's not Wisconsin, is it? It's not. I don't know, Alex. You have to tell me. I feel stupid. It is, it is Indiana University. Okay. Little five hundred is a big deal to them, so you know we'll just pretend that Indiana fans don't listen to this. But yeah, sorry, Indiana. I, I feel like this that. calls for a new, you know, once the pandemic's over, I think you might have to pay a visit to Little for Five. For sure. Oh, so, I am. Charlotte's college football tour is going to be. We're going to get after it. From what I've heard, it is. Uh, it is rowdy. So. <laughs> One more. You're over three, but it's okay because um, this, this is one, so embarrassing. Look, for for what it's worth, I've never I've never said that I know much. No, about we're learning. Anything. That's that's the whole point of this exercise, and okay. uh, and and I think you'll get this one because you've been close before in the, in the first three. And I actually didn't know this one, so don't feel bad okay. at all because okay. I didn't know this until I, I researched it today. All right, this is called sunburst chairs, and I sat in these chairs. I didn't even know it was like a big deal. Um, the chairs are green, yellow, and orange, and those colors are actually trademarked by the school, even though none of those schools, green, yellow, orange, are the school colors. Okay. This is a really popular hangout slash drinking spot by another lake. This is, this is Wisconsin. And yeah, and the chairs, the chairs are apparently so popular that dozens of them get stolen every year. People just get up there, you know, hop off their boat, I guess, and steal them. And you can buy one for $350 on um, the 
establishment's website. Wow. So it's Wisconsin. I've been there. I've been, it's on, is it on that patio? The terrace. Yeah. Yeah. The it. terrace, terrace patio. I'm like mm -hmm. the deck. Um, yeah, no, I love that. I, when I went to, um, Madison for the first time, I was like, oh, so this is what real college is. Um, it just seemed super fun. And that lake, man, I don't know. I think, I think the Midwest, I think you've, you guys have figured something out. That's a good spot for you to go because Madison is my favorite college town to visit when it's warm out. <laughs> um, like you said, it was, it was super, or is super unique. And that spot is like, you don't get that at every big 10 school. Like that is, no. that was unique. And I don't think at many schools do they serve alcohol at the student union. Cause that's what the terrace is. It's a student union. And uh, I guess the chairs are, are a big deal. It's good so stuff. We both, we both learned something today. <laughs> Charlotte, you went one for four. I think that's pretty good for a. Listen, at least I didn't get shut out. Right. All right. For an East coaster, that's pretty good. I love your mascot rankings. Thank big you. 10 fans will have fun with them. We'll, We'll make a little graphic or a video okay. or something and, and we'll see what the feedback is. Um, before I let you go, I do have to ask, yes. uh, what do you have in the works? What is something that you are excited about that is coming up where we can find on the Fox sports platforms? For sure. Um, well, I think, you know, follow if you, if you guys feel so inclined um, to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, I'm at the wilder things. I post all the fun videos we make my articles Um I've got a few things coming out. I've got a column that'll come out um, about the World Series once um, once we figure out what happens with that. Um, the People Sports Podcast you can download um, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your shows. Um, Mark Titus and I, are Big Ten, Big Ten's own Ohio State's own Mark Titus. Um, and I have had a ton of fun with that. Um, so be sure to check that out. And um, yeah, you know, just there, there are a few things I'm kind of working on that I don't want to jinx, but hopefully are, are going to be coming together. Um, and, uh, you know, I would just, I'd be grateful for, for any Big Ten fans who, who want to, you know, send me send me things I need to know, like teach me, teach me about your culture. I'm, I'm intrigued. Love it. Yeah. And I would be, I would be remiss if I didn't ask this because I had it written down yes. but I forgot. Yes. Uh, how will you feel if Mookie Betts wins a world series with not the Boston Red Sox? Funny you ask, Alex, because that's exactly what I'm like. I've been spending the day like agonizing over this column I'm writing, depending on what happens. Um, I'm truly happy for him. Like, I think that the Red Sox really screwed this up and I don't want to take it out on him, but it does sting a little bit. There's a little bit of like, ah, oh, God, you know, I think I wanted, I want him to win at this point to prove the Red Sox wrong, that they were wrong and that the fans were right to say, try to keep it. <laughs> Last thing I'll say is as frustrating as that is, at least you can go back a little bit and Theo got you three, eventually got four rings. I'm sitting here with my one that I'm grateful for. Yep. It's kind of been a slog since then. So. Yep. 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 I know. Come on, Theo, pull through for, pull through for Chicago again, buddy. All right, Charlotte, thank you so much. Once again, it's a ton of fun. Um, follow her work over at Fox and uh, hopefully we'll catch up soon. Thank you so much, Alex. This was a blast. All right. Thanks once again to Charlotte for joining me. Really enjoyed that conversation. Um, it's uh, always cool when you hear someone like her on other shows, other outlets or see her work and you enjoy it then and then get to meet them in person and they are exactly who they represent themselves to be uh, in those uh, other interviews or, or pieces of content 
and she was very easy to prepare an interview for because she is exactly like uh, she comes off in, in all of her other work, which is a really entertaining and, and fun individual to talk to. And hopefully we can do that type of interview with her again down the road. We'll now get to the second part of the episode. It is a more X's and O's focused and stats focused conversation with Harold Shelton because he is the Big Ten Network Manager of Research. He's on many weeks throughout the Big Ten football and basketball seasons to talk about what goes on in the conference on the football and basketball field and court. Um, We talked obviously what happened in week one in Big Ten football, talked about what lies ahead in week two and also uh, what we should be looking out for you know as far as big performers and especially what to look out for in the upcoming Ohio State Penn State matchup which has implications early on in the season for who comes out of that East Division and um, competes for a Big Ten title so plenty to talk about with Harold and we'll get right into it Take 10 podcast discussion with Harold Shelton. Very pleased to be rejoined by Harold Shelton, VTN manager of research. Talk finally about some Big Ten football, some live sports that we saw this past weekend for the first time in a long time. H, how's it going? It is Wednesday as we record this. A lot of drama going on, a lot of news, but uh, you know, we're gonna keep moving with the discussion. Yeah, uh, definitely good to be back. It was it was good to see some games. Uh, it felt kind of weird uh, doing everything from home, but uh, you know, jam packed day. You know, a couple days worth of football, so it was kind of good to get back in the swing of things. Yeah. So uh, as like we're talking right now, there's obviously things coming out with Wisconsin. This conversation could be very dated by the time people listen to it. Um, but as of now, you know, the Wisconsin game, at least one game, is is canceled. The one with Nebraska. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, we want to talk about what actually did happen on the football field first. So, H, what were some of your takeaways from week one and what was, like you said, a really exciting um, and drawing weekend of football? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I thought it was interesting that it um, seemed like all eyes were on the Big Ten. You know, people were kind of waiting to see, you know, like the – I won't say the final piece to the puzzle, but a very significant piece to the college football puzzle. Um, I think the most watched game – uh, the weekend was Ohio State winning by 35 against Nebraska. So it just kind of goes to show you like how many eyeballs are on the league and on the league's best team in general to try to make that a three-team race for the, for the playoff. Um, I thought the most exciting game of the weekend was in Bloomington, um, Indiana, Penn State. You know, the fact that uh, Indiana always plays those guys close, you know, and it was weird. I wasn't surprised that they won. But I was surprised at how they won. You know, that's a game that they don't normally win. You know, normally they're out playing a team and then they do, you know, they turn it over or it's penalties or it's a missed field goal or something that goes wrong. You know, they kind of slip on a banana peel kind of thing and wind up losing. Uh, this was the this is the exact opposite. I mean, they were outgained by, you know, 270-ish yards, uh, and Penn State was the one that had 10 penalties. And Penn State missed three field goals. And even though Indiana gave up a bunch of points in the fourth quarter to go from a 17-7 halftime lead to a 28-20 deficit, they still found a way to drive down, get the touchdown, get the game time to 
and then responding to Penn State's touchdown and OT by scoring and then having the gumption to go for it all and getting the benefit of the doubt on the call. I even thought – I thought he was short, and I thought the ref might say he was short, and if he would have ruled it short, that would have been very, very Indiana football, and it wasn't. And so I'm just wondering if this is a sign of things to come and maybe this could be a special season in Bloomington. Yeah, like we talked about it, you know, off the show and on about how I never fully bought into Annie until they could win that big game, that primetime game, because they hadn't done it in 33 years, right? right. Um, it was a nice program build that we had seen to this point. They were beating inferior teams, taking care of it, stacking wins, but they finally were able to, you know, slay that dragon. And as I was watching that game unfold, you're right. I thought some sort of Indiana football thing would happen. I can say that because I went to Illinois and I was referred to the Illinois football thing happening, whether it's a penalty or something unfortunate that costs them, uh, you know, usually in crunch time. So I've seen it my whole life. So I thought that would happen, but instead you're right. It, they went the other way the fortune broke in indiana's favor and when it comes down to a call like that where i still truly after watching it and watching the replay can't tell what the correct call should have been um i'm glad that the downtrodden historically downtrodden football program got the nod there and got to enjoy what was kind of a capstone win at least on the build right now they can kind of say, okay, we've arrived. We're Indiana football. We're in the top 20 and, and let's go from here. But that was kind of the uh, encapsulation of, of what Tom Allen has been able to build there. So uh, hats off to Indiana. Uh, anything else there that you, that stood out week one, obviously Graham Mertz is the big story on uh, Friday night. He's been the big story for other reasons heading into this week. But uh, I think everything else, you know, there were some, Interesting developments at quarterback. You know, Peyton Ramsey looks legit. What else stood out to you across the rest of the conference uh, before we get into week two discussion? Uh, I was kind of stay with the quarterbacks. I mean, you know, we see Graham Mertz go uh, 20 of 21. Uh, you know, it was crazy. I think at one point dating back to last year, he had uh, 26 straight completions. <laughs> not, not too bad. I uh, think he's 29 and 31 for his career. Um, and then you see the Heisman hopeful Justin Fields match Mertz going 20 of 21. Uh, then you see Joe Milton in prime time, you know, first start on the road, ranked team, not great conditions. And you got to see what all the hype was about from him. He played a very efficient game, uh, but also showed his explosiveness with his arm and with his legs. And, you know, maybe he's that difference maker that Jim Harbaugh has been looking for at that position. Um, you know, I think you could argue that the best quarterback he's had since he's been there is Jake Rudock, who was an Iowa transfer. And, you know, he was relying on a lot of transfers and not a lot on his own recruits. And now he has a guy who's been in the program for years. And it, appear, it appears that he could be a guy that could potentially elevate them to the levels they want, they want to go to. Yeah, that uh result was interesting for sure uh is michigan you know going to be a problem all year we'll see i'm sure it'll be solid is minnesota going to take a step back um i wouldn't necessarily blame them for what they lost on especially on the defensive side of the ball 
So we'll have to see. Um, agreed that the quarterback play is intriguing, you know, both good and bad across the conference. We'll have to see now, you know, how, how we can proceed into week two without one of the top quarterbacks, at least by week one performances in the Big Ten. And he'll be out uh, at least a little while with the 21-day pause that is uh, mandatory in the Big Ten. So it's the elephant in the room. Can't ignore it. Wisconsin's pause team activities as of today. And first it was Mertz and the third-string quarterback, both testing positive. Now it seems like there's a bit of a, an outbreak there with, I think I said, 12 people in the football program, including Coach Paul Christ, who have tested positive for COVID-19. So we've had two head coaches test positive already. If you throw in Jeff Brom, got a game canceled. Uh, you know, outside of the medical implications, which we hope all end up okay and, and healthy and safe. It just tells me that the, the West especially is going to be chaos this year, even more than it already was with a lot of teams seeming to be jumbled in the middle talent-wise. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, you know, the fact that Minnesota was kind of picked second, you know, kind of a Wisconsin barely edging them out. Now you have Wisconsin that's going to miss at least one game. Minnesota doesn't look nearly as good. Um, as people might have thought, I don't want to put too much on them, but it looks like COVID potentially might have <clears throat> might have impacted that program. Um, all three of their specialists were out for the Michigan game, the kicker, the punter, and the kickoff specialist. Um, P.J. Fleck didn't specifically say it was for COVID, uh, but he did specify that, you know, there's some guys who, who might have had it. Um, and so you have the pandemic affecting the two best teams in the West coming into the season. Yeah, this is uncharted territory. I mean, completely, we, we have no idea how this is going to be handled or how it's going to play out. The guidelines are in place, um, and we'll have to see how you know that dictates which teams can take the field and, and you know which teams can ultimately compete for the Big Ten championship. Um, it's unfortunate, but we will see how the rest of the conference moves forward. Um, Looking ahead to, to week two and the games that will be played, going in, obviously all eyes are going to be on, or most eyes are going to be on Happy Valley and the Penn State-Ohio State matchup. I was, my initial reaction to the Penn State loss was, well, you know, that kind of ruins a lot of the sizzle around Saturday night's game against Ohio State. But thinking about it, and correct me if this is too simplistic of a view, Penn State, it, it didn't matter that much because Penn State can get right back in this. They weren't going to likely, you know, make the uh, Big Ten championship game. They couldn't beat Ohio State anyway. That doesn't change with this game. That the opportunity is right in front of them. So the Big Ten title is, you know, still in play. The the chance to represent the East is that too simplistic of a way of looking at it, or is everything still in front of Penn State? Like my, you know, dumb football brain kind of has uh, has justified here. No, I think I think there's something to that for sure. Um, I do think some of the sizzle got lost. If you're looking at, you know, number three versus number seven or number eight, it looks better than three versus 18. But, um, <clears throat> you know, like you said, you know, if they beat them, if they beat Ohio State, have the tiebreaker over them, that could certainly, uh, you know, make a difference down the line. I granted both of them have to play Michigan, and Michigan might be a true contender in this thing. Who knows what Indiana will look like. Yeah, uh, you know, as the season moves on, but Penn State could certainly be in the driver's seat uh, with the win here. And 
I mean, we, we've seen some classics in State College. Now, granted, there's no whiteout this year with no fans, but, you know, we've seen 2014, you know, a pretty undermanned Penn State team, you know, go to double OT with the team that won a national title that year. You know, we saw Penn State as a big underdog, upset Ohio State on a block field goal, returned to the house in 16, propelled them to a Big Ten championship. Uh, we saw 2018, they had the lead throughout um, and let Ohio State come back at the very end, beat them, <clears throat> beat them by one point. So I'll be curious to see what this game is like. I mean, that's three straight games in the series up there decided by seven points or fewer. So no, I, I'd be shocked if Penn State didn't give them their best game on Saturday. Yeah, do you think their best game is going to be enough? I mean, Ohio State looked very good, as we expected. And Nebraska looked good, too. I feel bad they can't play this weekend by no fault of their own. And, um, you know, I can definitely empathize with those fans because I think the response, at least from what I saw on social media from Nebraska circles, was they, outside of uh, targeting calls they weren't happy with, they were pretty pleased with how Nebraska played on on Saturday. Uh, the final score ended up being close, but they put an early scare into the Buckeyes, and uh, Buckeyes just kind of overpowered them. So, you know, Nebraska discussion aside, do you think Ohio State will, you know, I guess be too much for Penn State? Penn State has some issues at, at running back depth, and we saw the, the discipline issues last week in game. What are you? What are your thoughts outside of Penn State still bringing a you know solid effort in your prediction? Uh, Buckeyes definitely. I think if both teams brought their A game, I think Ohio State is clearly better. Um, I do think there were some issues on both sides of the line of scrimmage for Ohio State that need to be addressed. I mean, Nebraska ran for over 200 yards against them last week. I don't think that was something that people expected. Um, and, and they didn't really establish the line of scrimmage on offense. Uh, you know, Master Teague and, and Trey Sermon, like they were okay, but it wasn't like a J.K. Dobbins level performance where, you know, holes were wide open and guys were running right through them. Um, so, you know, I thought they struggled a little bit in the run game. You know, I think Penn State's defense is better than Nebraska's, and I think they'll be able to get some pressure on Justin Fields. I think if there's one issue with Justin Fields, one criticism is that he has a tendency to hold on to the ball too long. So uh, we saw how they got after Michael Penix a lot last week, and we'll see if, uh, you know, Shaka Tony and those guys can do that this week. All right, what else you got your eyes on this weekend? Um Iowa Northwestern has emerged as a pretty significant game in the West, especially with Wisconsin, you know, might be maybe being removed from the running here. Um, The West, like I said, you know, Purdue can get to two and zero if they if they take care of Illinois. Illinois needs to have a better showing than what they they showed the country last week. There's no doubt about that. Um, So there's some other games, some matchups. I don't know if if you want to get into your alma mater looking like full rebuild mode there, going against a a very solid Michigan team. So I'm leaving that in your court. Uh, but what else you got your eyes on heading into week two? Uh, I think we got to talk Indiana Rutgers. You know, I didn't think that's something I would have said a week ago. But, uh, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about how much different they looked under Greg Schiano. Um, You know, obviously Michigan State played a big part with seven turnovers, but you got to give credit to Rutgers for forcing some of those. Um, you know, they made – they took advantage of the transfer portal. You know, they definitely went and got a lot of guys there. Noah Vedral being one of them. And we talked about quarterback performances. Uh, you know, he looked great in his first start uh, with Scarlet Knights. 
And then you see Aaron Krikshank of Wisconsin transfer come in, make plays. Uh, you got a Michigan transfer, Michael Dunford, who uh, made plays on that D-line. And Ohio State transfer, Brendan White, got the pick to end the game. And so, you know, he kind of got an infusion of talent from the transfer portal from uh, other Big Ten schools to kind of help them out. Uh, so they snapped that 21-game win streak, and now they're playing the Indiana team. I wonder if they're feeling too good about themselves. Do they kind of sleepwalk into that game, to your point, thinking that we've arrived? And, you know, Rutgers is hungry. Like, maybe maybe this is another nail-biter situation. It has been in the past uh, up there when those two teams have played. And so, you know, they haven't beaten a ranked team since they've joined the league. And I'll be curious to see if they do that. Their last ranked win came in 2009. So uh, that was Greg Schiano territory then. We'll see if uh, history can repeat itself. What do we know about Rondale Moore? I know um, he hasn't been practicing lately. Uh, coaching staff told reporters that yesterday. Is there any sort of update as far as you know, if he's going to play Saturday or is David Bell can continue to eat on his own with those three touchdowns he had last week heading into a, another uh, interesting matchup this weekend. Yeah, it kind of sounds like it's uh, going to be the David Bell show again. Uh, Jeff Brown was very cryptic about some of his answers uh, regarding Rondell Moore's status. I don't know if that's just kind of coach speak or trying to, you know, keep Illinois guessing as uh, opposed to whether to prepare for him or not. But um, it seemed like, you know, there's been no reason given as to why he hasn't played. And there still isn't a reason uh, being given. So I'm going to assume this is David Bell's show. Um, it seemed to work out all right uh, most of last year and obviously last week against Iowa. So he's kind of emerged as the, the best receiver in the league thus far. Um, and so we'll see if Purdue can get to 2-0. and That's something they haven't done in a, in a long time in Big Ten play. And um, I want to see if them and the Hoosiers can do it. And uh, Northwestern Iowa, man, that's that that game. I'm really looking forward to that one because for whatever reason, Northwestern seems to kind of have Kirk Ferentz number. Um, Fitz has won three of the last four in that series. They've won two in a row at Kinnick. And we always talk about how tough of a place to play Kinnick is. And Northwestern doesn't seem to have any issues in Kinnick. Uh, last time they were in Kinnick, they they clinched the Big West title a couple years ago. They got the brand new offense. Iowa still kind of trying to figure out their footing on offense. Um, I could see that being one of those, you know, 20 to 17, 24, 20 kind of games like they usually play. And I was going to say, it's going to be one of those, or I could at least envision this, where Northwestern does what they have done so well under Fitzgerald, where they lose like every statistical category and then they win, like you said, 23-17 or something like that. And um, usually it comes down to them, you know, forcing other teams into long third downs or some, some – there's always some hidden stat that you're like, oh, that's how they were able to pull that off. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny also, H, I noticed – I think I heard some horns in the background of your uh, your uh, setup you got going there. I muted – so anyone watching on YouTube, I started talking the last question, and I was muted, so I looked like an idiot – that was because there's like school kids walking outside my window. They get out of school right across the street at like two o'clock every day. And it's just another one of the uh, first Zoom life, of working man. at home. Work from home is crazy. I don't know what's going on, but it was definitely a lot of honking on my street. Not really sure what's happening. It was those Amazon Prime trucks stopping in the middle of the road. You know, they don't care. They just stop wherever. There's been a lot of that. There's been a lot of that for sure.
All right, age before we wrap up, um, I do want to, you know, not to stay so much on the negative side, but I have to address one more unfortunate piece of news that we got recently. Our Orlando college basketball bubble is popped, you know, and another added layer of this, I didn't realize that the potential Illinois Baylor game, I think I have this right. That was supposed to be in Orlando. I didn't know that. So that's a matchup that looks like it's off the table as well. Uh, in addition to to your your Spartan dogs and, and all the other fun matchups we're looking forward to down there. Yeah, that really is unfortunate. Um, I know they said they still wanted to try to get the Champions Classic in, maybe have it in Indy or something like that. But uh, yeah, that Orlando Classic that they were supposed to be in, it was supposed to be that loaded field. And then you had some teams pull out and now it looks like the whole thing is gone down there. So uh, to borrow your phrase, maybe some more uh, on-campus MTEs and uh, you know that, that might have to be the way to go. You know, it's unfortunate because I always look forward to those tournaments. Um, you know, they're, they're the best part of non-conference play for me, especially, you know, that feast week right around Thanksgiving time where it's that nice blend of, of football and basketball. But it looks like, unfortunately, we're not going to get that. So uh, we'll just have to make do like we have done in 2020. All right. Sounds good. H, till next time, I will leave it there. Um, Hopefully, when we talk next, whether it's next week or the week after, you know, we're in a little more stable of a place as far as news and and, uh, football being played. But you and I will uh, keep rolling. We'll keep talking football and we'll keep looking forward to the games that are played. Sounds good, man. All right. Thanks once again to Harold, Charlotte for joining the show. Really uh, talented pair of talented individuals in the industry. Always love talking to Harold and it was cool to get a new guest on Charlotte who provided a very fun and entertaining discussion. So thanks again to both of them. Thanks again also to everyone out there who has listened to the show, who's either listening for the first time or has listened to many times. Appreciate it nonetheless. Please Give us a review on your podcast platform, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify. You can find us on all those podcast hosting platforms. And you can also find us on YouTube as well. Um, One small, small silver lining of this work from home setup is that everyone is comfortable on Zoom. And the Big Ten Network Take 10 podcast has uh, found a home on our YouTube channel. So check out Big Ten Network YouTube page and go to the playlist for Tick Ten Podcast. You can watch all these interviews as uh, as well as listen to them if you want to see these play out, see the expressions and see just how many sips of coffee I take in a given interview. So, riveting stuff there. Uh, thanks as always to Julie Bronder for producing the show and till next episode, everyone take care, stay safe, stay healthy and We'll talk to you soon here on the Take 10 Podcast.